with, with what we're doing today. I prayed about it. I sought the Lord uh, since Friday afternoon and then this, yesterday and even again this morning wanting to hear from God. And so I, I want to take it out of, uh, out of the, the, the scripture, out of the song, uh, the great hymn. It's a Latin hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And so uh, I want you to take that, take the notes, and as you're turning, I'm sorry, I, I have the, the sermon notes up here, but you can also turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verses 20-23. As you're getting the sermon notes, I'm going to read just the first part of it. Isaiah 7:14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, and He will give birth to a son, and will call Him Emmanuel. So then Matthew 1, as you're turning there, Matthew 1, 20-23. Um, in a few moments, um, I know I'm, going to, I'm just really kind of changing things up, because I really want us to hear from God today. Um, I, I, I believe the message today will answer some questions. I believe that the message today will, will empower you to help your friends and neighbors who need a fresh word from God. And so if you, um, if you would take, there's a, little, there's a little hymn book that I know some of you, you know, why don't we use it? Well, we're going to use it today. Okay? If you would take the hymnal, and you may have to share some, there's a hymnal in front of you. It says, Sing His Praises. If you would take that hymnal and open it up to hymn number 422, Hymn number 422. I'm going to do this a cappella, okay? I'm going to do it without instrumentation. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned, one of the old-fashioned ways is sing it with our voices. So if you would take a hymnal and turn to page 422, page 422 or hymn number 422, and I, I want to just sing the first verse of this, this carol, and then in a few moments or sometime during the message or at the end of the time, um, we, we might sing uh, another one. Actually, I might just sing another one here in a second. But let's just turn to hymn 422. And I'll try to get the right key. Okay, here we go, the first verse. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Let's go ahead and sing verse 2. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny. From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. Now sing this from your spirit. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to the Israel. Now put that aside. We might sing from that in a moment. But I want to read now Matthew 1, 20 through 23. Matthew 1, 20 through 23. 
It says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Verse 23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you just pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that Emmanuel would be made known to every one of us in this room. Not only would we hear the Christmas message, but we would take this message to a hurting world that desperately needs God with us. That, Lord, we are your agents of life and light, and so, Lord, send us out tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, into our world where this world desperately, desperately needs this message. So Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us and fill us with your power and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, now, so if you want to turn in your Bibles, keep it there, but if you want to write on the notes, the first one is an enlightened society, yet living in darkness. And so, so our world is crying out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. They may not be saying it with their words, but their, their actions are saying, Oh, come, oh, come, someone save us. And our world is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And the church sometimes, we sit and we say, Man, those poor people, those, I can't believe they do that, but they need Emmanuel. And we have him. And so this morning, I want you to receive this Christmas message, and then I want you to take this Christmas message and take it to those who need it. Amen? This is not just for us. This is not just for us to feel good and us to have nice eggnog and stolen and cookies and all the other stuff that you do for Christmas. But this is for us to change people to go and help a world that is dying and in desperate need of Emmanuel. Amen? And so this message will impact your heart and your mind and your spirit. And I want you to hear what is saying, being said this morning because you think about this. The children of Israel were in bondage. They were in bondage to two, two cruel kings. This song, when, when, when they wrote it, was, was speaking of dark times and it was calling out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. I, I don't know if there's any more dark times than right now. We need Emmanuel, don't we? His name is Jesus. Amen? And so the first thing is we live in an enlightened society, but yet we're living in darkness. Letter A, so much knowledge, but yet things are getting worse. How can that be? I mean, we're so enlightened, we're so smart, we're so, we're so much better than religion. We, we don't need God, so that our society is saying, we're so, so much smarter, we've evolved, and yet, but look what we're doing. We're destroying each other. We're, we're finding better ways to cheat, we're finding better ways to kill, we're finding better ways to try to get away with, with wickedness. So is our enlightened society really enlightened? We're, we're, we're so deceived and we believe so much and, and so we have so many educated people but yet we cannot find the solutions to mankind's problems. We put so much hope in a politician, into a movie star and a singer. We put so much hope into to you, the UN and, and yet they're still failing us. Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. That is the answer to this, this need that we have in our world. Amen? I mean, everyone could agree that, that evil really exists. We saw evil incarnate on our news. I mean, I was crying at times, and I, I, I purposely have not tried to watch the news and read the I've read through the paper because it breaks my heart, just like yours. But I want to say, I don't want to be hard, I want to say, God, would you awaken the church again? We have the answer. His name is Jesus. Jesus is what we need. We need His message to go out to an enlightened society. 
I mean, again, you just turn on the news, you look at the paper, I don't want to go through it. In fact, it's sad because when I look through the, in the Washington Post or the Times, and I look through the religious section on Saturdays, and, and the church is becoming just, we're not even relevant to our society anymore. And in some churches, they're just pushing the gospel away and saying, well, that, we, don't, we don't believe that anymore. And we really need to come back to God and say, we absolutely believe in God. We absolutely do believe that we're sinners in need of God's grace. That's why our world is in such a mess. I'll go to that in a few minutes. But we live in this enlightened society. You're saying, Pastor, stop. I'm already depressed. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Save us from Satan's reign. Amen? Save us from death. Save us from the fear of death. Who will deliver us from such an evil? His name is Jesus. No rational person can deny that there is evil. Well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Satan. Wow. Look at our world. You cannot say that there's not evil. So the second part of this is how did things get so messed up? How did things get so messed up? Why do we have all these problems? Well, the reason is we have all sinned. But I don't believe in sin. Well, that's fine. You don't have to say you believe in it, but it exists. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? That no one is righteous before God. And you see, when you and I sin, when the people in the world sin, it brings evil into the world. It allows more evil to come. What is sin? Well, sin is basically you denying God and you, you trying to be your own boss. Saying, I don't need you, God. I can do my own thing. And our society has done that. And yeah, we can go on, well, this, this gun shooting, I've seen it on Facebook, I've read it in the news, why this happened, and everyone, everyone has an answer. I have two answers. One is sin, the other answer is Satan. Sin is a destructive force in our world. Satan also hates you and mankind, and he wants to destroy all of us. That's really the answer. Well, we need better gun control. We need more of this, we need more of that. No, we need more of Jesus. O come, O come, Emmanuel. He is the answer in this time. Why do things get so messed up? Well, sin is a universal problem. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you believe it or not, the Bible states that we all have sinned and we've all come short. That includes you and I. The Pope has sinned. (laughs) Mary, the mother of God, sinned. Jesus never sinned because He was perfect. He was the Messiah. But you see... We wonder why things have gotten messed up. And, and we could always go back, oh, Adam and Eve. And I know my, at my home, we kind of tease about that at times with Adam and Eve. And, 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 and they were the first, but we continued on because we had free will. You and I can choose how to live our lives. We can choose whom we serve. But you see, every time we choose to sin, it messes up. Every time I choose to disobey God, it messes up my relationship with God. It can mess up my relationship with my family. It can mess up my relationship with you. It can mess up my relationship with people around And when we live in a culture that keeps pushing God out and we just begin to see more and more evil arise, that's the problem with sin. That's what sin does. It destroys. In fact, Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Are you seeing this today? We We think we're smarter than God, but look what we're doing to each other. We're greedy. We're killing each other. We're doing things in the name of God. We're doing things in the name of the government. We're doing things in the name of this and that. And we're destroying one another. But what we really need is we need to acknowledge that we've sinned and we acknowledge that we need Jesus Christ. Amen? Because He is the answer. O come. O come, Emmanuel. Because you see, God did create a perfect world. But when Adam and Eve decided to sin, the world was no longer perfect. And so the world we live in today is not perfect. It will never be perfect until we become one with God again. 
And you see, people don't understand this. They get mad and they go, but see, everything on this planet has been damaged and injured and spoiled or, or corrupted because of the entryness, entry of sin into our world. It corrupts everything. It, it infects everything. It, it destroys everything. It causes problems. And so for us to try to deny evil is fruitless because it continues to have its way unless the church rises up and presents the good news of Jesus Christ. We are the agent of change. We are what can hold back this evil thing from our world. Yes or no? The third thing, letter C on this, is what does sin, what does a sin thing do to our world? I've kind of talked about that a little bit, but I'm going to go a little more in depth. What does this sin thing do to our world? The first thing is, it causes problems, natural disasters and deformities. Now let me stop just for a second, get a drink, and let you think about this. You see, some people would say, you know, the things that we're doing, it's, it's God's judgment. And it could be. I, I, I'm not God. You know what I'm saying? I don't know everything about Him. But I, I am going to say that not everything bad happens because of God's judgment. There are times when He does judge us. But what we're seeing, this surge of violence, these gun shootings, these other violence, these catastrophes, are again because the world is broken. And sin is in control of most of mankind. And so in the natural order... Nature doesn't always act in a rational way. We can blame it on global warming or global climate change and all that's all that we want. We can try to say all that stuff. But the reality is, if you look at Romans 8, 20-21, I think I have it. I hope I have it. Romans 8, 20-21 says this, For the creation was subjected to the frustration, meaning the sin, not by his own choice, by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into glorious freedom of the children of God. This world is decaying, but we're waiting for Christ to take us back. And so creation doesn't always act right because we live in a broken world. How do animals get deformed and act the way that they act sometimes? Why, does, why do major catastrophes happen? Because sin is, has affected everything, infected and affects everything that we live and touch. And it's broken. But there is hope. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And you see, one day the Bible says that God will create a new heaven and a new earth. The old will go away. And that will be an exciting time. Amen? Some of you are depressed. I know. Pastor, it's so depressing. Stop. Okay, let me go on and encourage you a little bit more. Number two, there is physical decay and death because we live in a fallen planet. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Now look at you. And I said this last week. But look at you. You're just getting older by the second. Man, I see something. Really, I mean, you're, some of us have a furniture problem. Our, our chest has dropped down to our drawers, right? You know what I'm saying? So, so I mean, some of us, our hair is sitting. I'm looking, I've looked at pictures of, of when I was younger. And I, and I still got some, a lot of hair, but I'm looking. My hairline is just slowly receding and I'm getting a little thinner up there. You know what I'm saying? What can I do? Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Eve. You know what I'm talking about? Thanks a lot. But you see, the reality is there are no perfect bodies, right? No perfect bodies. Is that correct? I mean, sometimes it's sad because our bodies embarrass us. We become sick. They do. Th- and I, I'm only 47 years old. I'm a young punk kid to some of you. I know that. Some of you, I'm a geezer, right? But, but, but I, I can't do. In my mind, there's like things I used to do athletically that I could just do. And, I, and in my mind, I could still do it. And then I get out and, on the sports field and I think, I, I can't do that like I used to. Because I'm getting older. Sure, I could work out 50 hours a day. I mean, that's impossible. And, and try to get back to that. But just, it, just the fact of nature is, I'm getting older and I cannot do what I used to do. 
I could either be depressed about it or I could accept it and say, you know what? Even so, Jesus comes sooner. Amen? O come, O come, Emmanuel. You see, we live in a fallen world and our bodies, they're just, they're wearing out. They're never going to be perfect until Christ comes. Now, you can receive healing. We absolutely, this church believes and we pray for and we receive divine healing. God can restore your body. He can restore your body to a 20-year-old body. That's what He wants to do. But the reality is because we live in a sinful world, a, a world that has been corrupted by the flesh, our bodies begin to, to fall apart. They begin to wear down. It's just the natural order of things. Our world is winding down. In fact, some of you scientists would, maybe you could agree, because if, if evolution was true, the world would be getting better. Right? I mean, if evolution was true, we would become more intelligent, more loving. Your dog would next week probably be, be writing a, a term paper for his master's degree if, if he was evolving, Right? Right? Your, your mouse would probably become a, a, some other kind of a sentient being that would create it. I mean, if, if evolution was true, the world would be getting better. But the problem is we have the law of dynamics called entropy. Right? You scientist? Am I, am, is this correct or am I wrong? This, the second law of thermodynamics states that entropy must take place. The law of entropy, entropy states that everything in the universe is continuously and irreversibly decaying. So science is in conflict. You have this one... Theory of evolution says that everything's are getting better, but and then you have the law of thermodynamics saying it's not. Everything is winding down. And I would go with the facts. Things are winding down because I don't see new animals coming sentient beings. I don't see it. If, if it's true, if evolution is true, you would be seeing fish and monkeys and, and other animals becoming sentient beings. Well, come on, Stan, that happened over billions of years. But that doesn't make sense because over time you would begin to see more and more creatures becoming sentient beings. But instead, I'm seeing the world decaying. I'm seeing animals being distinct, whether they're just going to because of humans or whatever. I'm seeing decay in the world. Our, our bodies are decaying, sadly. I know I'm encouraging. This is exciting, right? You see, there is physical death. And we cannot rob it. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. You see, no man, no woman can cheat death. Many have tried and they failed. But you see, God really doesn't want us to live on this broken world anyway. So take joy in that, okay? That you only get to live here once. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I love, I love living. I love life. I love you. I love this world. I love being here. I love all people. But I will be glad when Jesus comes and takes me off this world. I will be glad. I will be relieved. And that will be an exciting thing. Amen? The third thing about this is there is emotional distress and disappointment. Why do we get stressed, so stressed out? Why do we get so disappointed? Because we live in an imperfect world. Because of sin and evil. Because we choose things that aren't good for us. Or we're affected by people that are causing other people harm. So it causes us stress. We're humans as well. And you see, most things don't live up to their hype. Most things are overrated. Did you know that I'm going to disappoint you if I already haven't disappointed you yet? Did you know you're going to disappoint me if you haven't already disappointed me? And you know what? That's okay because I understand. We're humans. We're not perfect. You see, your boss is going to disappoint you. Your spouse, your children. You might be disappointed in God. God never disappoints, but you might be disappointed in Him because of our emotions. Because every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights. But you and I get disappointed because we live in a sinful world. The next thing, number four, is, is next is relational distance and discord. Not only did Adam and Eve disconnect and alienate themselves from God, but it caused problems in relationships. I mean, again, if we were evolving and we have all this 
enlightened society, our relationships would be getting better, but yet they're still spinning out of control, right? I mean, again, divorce, I'm not here judging, but divorce is on a high rise. We, we have people that go to counselors, and, and we need counselors, but people are taking self-medicating themselves because their relationships are out. Or, I mean, some, for some of us during Christmas and Thanksgiving, it's a depressing time because we have to be with our family, right? Oh, joy, they're coming over this weekend, right? Some of you have actually thought that, right? Because you're so enlightened and everything's so good about your relationship. But yet, why? It's because sin affects our relationships. This world affects, infects our relationships. And so there is, there is relational distance and discord. And we see relationships that fall apart, they, they grow apart, they break apart. And then people will say, oh, we're just incompatible, but maybe, maybe, I'm not judging you, but maybe it's not incompatibility, incompatibility but maybe it's immaturity. Maybe it's an unwillingness to try. Maybe, and it does, it takes two for a relationship to work. And if only one wants it to work, the other one is, and the other one doesn't want it to work, it's just not going to work. It takes two for a relationship to work, right? You see, your family either grows mature or grows apart. Your relationships either grow mature or they grow apart. And sometimes it doesn't depend on you. Sometimes it totally depends on the other person as well. And that's just the way life is. You're never going to have perfect relationships except for with Jesus Christ. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen? The fourth thing, the fifth thing, I'm sorry, lastly, spiritual discontent and darkness. Spiritual discontent and darkness. You see, sin leaves a hole in our heart that nothing or no one can fill except Jesus. You see, we can buy everything in the world. We can, we can get all the plastic surgery we want. We can have all the nice hairdos. We can buy all the fancy toys, but it will leave us empty inside. You can have a relationship with every person in the world, which is impossible, but you're going to be still empty inside unless Jesus is in that spot that's reserved for Him. And you're going to be discouraged and depressed and your life will be broken until Jesus comes into your life. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, but it will make your life better because Jesus is there. You see, the good news is this. Jesus came to set us free from death and fear. And I was praying, please listen to me, please, 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 because I'm, not, I'm no perfect person. And I really had this sense when I was praying here this week in this, in this room, praying for you, praying for this church, praying for our nation, praying for our world, praying for every, every person in this world. And in it, the, the Lord spoke to me through His Spirit that there is still a spirit of fear in many of you. You are so fearful. And I want to he- help you. I, I talked about not to be fearful last week's, in the last week's message. But some of you are so fearful, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you Jesus can set you free of that fear. Don't be afraid. You know who you are. You know, what, you know what I'm talking about. You're living in fear and you don't have to live in fear because Hebrews, hit the scripture, Hebrews says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Now the fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of this, the fear of that, God is not the author and giver of fear. And I'm here to speak the prophetic word that He gave me during the prayer this week. is stop living in fear. Come to His throne. In Him is perfect love that casts out all fear. And it transcends all those things. And so you don't need to live in fear. You're, you're fearful of everything. If you're a Christian, you don't need to live in fear. 
Amen? Stop living in fear. Receive the Word of God today. Amen? Don't live in fear of death. Don't live in fear of what's going to happen because God is on the throne. Amen? He is on the throne. So what can be done? Let's talk about this for a few moments. What can be done? Well, we can do the same old, same old. Society can continue to keep saying we're enlightened and continue to watch the world spin out of control. We can continue making up degrees. We can continue writing more philosophies. We can keep pointing at churches and saying how relevant God is and all that, but we can continue to watch the world just continue to get evil and more evil and spin out of control, right? We can say we don't believe in heaven or hell as people go one to the other. We can say we don't believe in a God and try to make Christmas illegal. We can continue to make up faulty theories and logic trying to explain away sin, but yet sin still is destroying mankind. So we can keep doing the same old and the same old. Or we can acknowledge that this world is full of evil and only Jesus can deliver us from this evil. Amen? The second part of this is we can continue cursing the darkness. You see, sometimes Christians either make me laugh or, or I shake my head myself or, or I, I get a little irritated, wondering, and, and they wonder why we live in such a bad place. They wonder why bad things are happening. And, and it's like you should know of all things as a believer, you should know why this is happening. Amen? Well, the government, oh, this and that, and, and I can't believe they would do that because they're living in sin. Corinthians and Romans says that they're slaves to sin. The, whatever masters them, they're a slave to, Right? And we act surprised at the actions of the unchurched. Oh my goodness, and I'm not trying to be... And please listen to me. Oh my goodness, another shooting. I, I was crying. Heartbroken like you. And, and sadly, there's going to probably be another one. I don't want it. I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. But why are we surprised sinners act like sinners? Right? And we like, oh well. Oh my, I'm a Christian. Ooh, yucky. Stay away from me. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Ooh, keep that away. And the church just we just we just we we just curse the darkness. Instead of being light, instead of going into the dark place and saying, Hey, Jesus is here. Jesus has the answer. Instead of you getting on your knees when when these things happened and, and it's sad because I didn't get on my knees right away when I heard about it, I was still in shock and I was just heartbroken. But I remember when when nine eleven happened, I fell. I mean, my my wife woke me up because I was up till three or four in the morning trying to put something in my car. My wife woke me up and said, "Turn on the news." I watched the news, and, and immediately I get on my knees and I'm pr- crying and praying out in tongues, saying and just binding the work of the enemy and having saying, "God have mercy." The same thing happened when the Columbine shootings were happening. And you see that we we go, oh man, stupid world, or we can get on our knees and cry out and take authority in the name of Jesus, begin to pray in the Spirit, as it says in Jude and in, in Ephesians, it says we should pray in the Holy Spirit. Let her see as we can cry for Emmanuel. Our world can cry for Emmanuel to come. And please, I know I talk about this often, but I am, I am, I am tired of empty promises by the politicians. I'm tired of the promises of the Democrats. I'm tired of the promises of the Republicans. And they're still not solving the problems of the world. And by the way, they never will. They might have some good solutions. They've come up with some great solutions. But right now, they're not doing a whole lot that's good for the church and for the kingdom of God. And I'm asking that they come and they bow their knees to Jesus Christ. That's how you should pray for them. Instead of cursing them, instead of sending hate mail and hate emails, you should get on your knees and start praying for them by name. Whether you agree with them or whether you voted for them or not, you need to get on your knees and say, God, would you open their eyes and let them serve you and let them obey you. Amen? Whether country you're from, if you have a, an evil dictator leader over your country, you need to get on your knees and say, God, save them. I'm tired of the church 
tossing holy hand grenades at the darkness and saying, oh, those evil people, when we have the power of God to change the world, amen? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Or letter D is we can believe that God did come through Jesus Christ. It is time for the church to believe in the gospel again. Some of you, you're doubtful even that Jesus existed. He did exist. He did live. He did live a sinless life. He never sinned. He was crucified for our sins. He was buried and He was resurrected again. Some of you in this room even wonder why you're here today. Because God loves you. And you need to hear this message again. The gospel does exist. It does change people's lives. Amen? We need to believe it again. We need to stop. I've already said this, but we need to stop looking to the government to solve our problems. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. And yes, I pray for my government officials. I pray for every government of the world to bow its knees, but they're not going to solve all the problems. They could be some, but only Jesus can be the real answer. We need to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew 1, 21 and 22, She shall give birth to a son, and you are to, you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will be with you, will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So number three, what can you do? Yes, I'm pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at me. What can you do? Well, you can do the same old, the same old. We can go through our same old, boring Christianity that's not really changing the world we live in. We, just can keep, we can keep coming. We can just keep hearing sermons. We can just keep reading scriptures and going to Bible studies. But yet we can just continue to do that and never touch people around us. And that's not what God ever planned for your life. Yes, keep coming to church. Yes, have, go to Bible study. Yes, re- remember scriptures. But then pour out those messages to your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. I was on Facebook. Some of you remember we had Jeff um, Anderson here last year. He works with Convoy of Hope. He's a friend of mine. We were youth pastors together a long time ago. And he was on an airplane just the other day and he was sitting next to a man and this man was just, was just was, was grieved and was crying and, and, and angry about the whole shooting that happened in Connecticut and, and Jeff was trying to withhold himself without offering too many opinions, without judging and the guy was just going on and on. And it got to the point where the guy said to Jeff, he says, I can't believe that God allowed this to happen. And Jeff, God gave him the word, I guess, and, and Jeff said, well, listen, think about it this way. Think about uh, an architect designing a huge 50-story skyscraper and, he, and they build it. And now imagine someone bringing a crane and a wrecking ball and destroying the building. Did the architect destroy the building or was it the person operating the crane? The guy operating the crane. Now, this is not God's fault. You see, God created us. He has a great plan for our lives, but then we act out of self-will. And you see, God has answers for your friends. God has answers for you. And, and so God used Jeff to minister to this man. And I'm asking you to be available to minister to your coworkers as you go to work Monday morning. Especially if they know you're Christian. Some of them are going to be mad at you. Because you represent Jesus Christ. Don't shy. Don't run away. Don't hide. Don't call in sick. I'm not going to make it. Go boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? To your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members that, that mock Jesus Christ. Go with the answers of Jesus Christ. Amen? The second part of this is we can curse the darkness. I've already talked about that. I'm sorry, not to, I'm, getting, I'm getting, getting behind again. Letter B is we can allow the sun of righteousness to shine. Malachi 4.2 says, But you, for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. Listen to that. Rise with healing in his wings. And he will go free leaping with joy like calves let out of the pasture. 
How many of you have seen calves let out of pasture? You ever seen that? Let out of a pen? And, and cows and cattle and bulls, they frolic, they play. And you see what he's saying? He's saying, Jesus, the Son of Righteousness, will come with healing in His wings, and it'll be like that. You'll be free. Do you remember that when you were a kid? Olivia and I, we, talk, we have good memories of Zoe. Like when we were traveling in a car for hours and hours, you know, 13 hours, 10 hours in a car, and she's just going crazy, and she gets out of the car and says, Can I run? Yes, so she would just run and run around. and run. When we lived here, she'd run around the tree for just minutes and minutes because she was free. And you see, as Christians, we've kind of lost that joy. We need to allow that joy to come out of our lives again. Amen. We need to rediscover what Christmas is all about. We need to allow the joy of God. This is the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. And our world needs this Jesus. The, we have the greatest message to, that this dying world needs. Jesus said for us to shine His light. Here it, is, here it is in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Do I have it? Yes, it says this. You are the light of the world. Who is the light of the world? Some of you are... You are, Pastor. You. You means you. Right? Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your light shines before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do not be embarrassed to be a Christian. Let God's light shine. You don't have to preach the gospel. You don't have to get up at work and stand up on the, the tables and chairs and start pull out your big 10-pound King James Bible and says, Thus saith the Lord, you're going to burn! They don't need that. Some of you want to do that, right? Shame on you. Well, I've thought about that at times too. But what they need is Jesus incarnate through you. You being Jesus to them. You taking opportunity to share. Well, if I, I share Jesus, I'll lose my job. They're going to lose their soul. I'll just put it in perspective. That's all. I'll just help you perspective here. Lose your job or they lose their soul. God will provide you with another job. He always does. He is a provider. Don't be afraid of the opportunities God gives you at work. You don't have to be blatant and rude, but just use the opportunities. Specifically, when things like this happen in the world, they're going to be asking questions. Where was God? What would God do? What did your church do? What do you believe in? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. I believe in, boom, you give them the answers. You speak the Word of God to them. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You don't have to quote it. You don't have to say in Romans, blah, blah, blah. But you can just quote Scripture to them without them even knowing it. And it will speak into their soul. You see, the Word of God, remember it says it's living and active. This is not just a book on a shelf. This is not a book on your coffee table or on your bed. This is a living document. When you speak it and when you hear it, it brings life into your soul and into your spirit. It enlightens you with the truth of God. And when you go to your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, the sports fields, and, and you're speaking this word to someone, it enlightens their lives with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? And you see, I'm not shocked that the world's trying to tell us we can't speak the word of God. I'm not shocked that they're trying to pull the gospel and the word of God off all of our national monuments that our forefathers knew we needed. In an alliance society, we're trying to push God out and we wonder why we're in trouble. Well, we need to be the sons of righteousness. Amen? We need to shine. In fact, here, listen to this. Jesus said, shine the light. Philippians 2, 14-16. Listen to this. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's another sermon. I just wanted you to have that. Verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, 
in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. See, you are a star. You don't have to go to Hollywood, but you're a star. Better than them in their decadent lifestyles. You have Jesus in your life. Amen? You are a shining star to them. And Jesus brings healing, hope, and salvation. We still believe that God can raise people from the dead. We still believe God can heal people and raise them up. We still believe that. In fact, the Gospel in Isaiah it says that He was wounded for our transgressions and by His stripes we were healed. We believe not only in the salvation of your mind and your soul, but also of your body and of, of our society which needs Jesus Christ. So here's what He said in Luke 4, 18-19. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, he not only was talking about financially poor, but he was talking about people that were poor in spirit. They might have everything in the world, but they don't have Jesus, so they're poor in spirit. He not only was talking about people physically hurting, but he was talking about those that were blinded spiritually. He was talking about those who were in oppression. They were in, they were in bondage to sin and Satan and fear of death and hell. And we can release them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what the Christmas message is all about. Amen? O come, O come, Emmanuel. The third thing and the last thing that I want to talk about is use the key of David to come to open things up. I talk about this often. You say, Pastor, I'm so sick of hearing it. Then do this. Then start doing it. You see, in this song that we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the last verse, number 4, on 422 it says, O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home, and make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. And so if you think about that, God sent Jesus, He has the key of David. Why is that important? Isaiah 22, 22 says this, I place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. That he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. In other words, God was giving Jesus all authority because he is God. And so if Jesus has all authority, then listen to what Jesus, okay, here is then, Colossians 1, 17-20 says this, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God has, was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So in other words, God, through Jesus Christ, is over all things, right? Okay, so he has the keys. He can do whatever he wants. Whatever he opens will be open, and whatever he shuts will be shut. Okay, here's where we're getting this now. Then he says, not only that, then he says to the church, now I've given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Here it is. Here is the scripture. Matthew 16, 19. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Christmas is more than fruitcakes, parties, gifts, and family meals. Christmas is about you taking the spiritual authority that you have. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to pull out my little keys that I have. The Bible says that God has given you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And if you and I will begin to use these keys in our prayer time, Father, I bind the spirit of violence upon the schools, upon the colleges, the elementaries, the junior highs, the high schools. Father, I bind this stuff in the name of Jesus. Things would be a little bit different. Come on, church, I'm telling you, God has just given you authority. Christmas is not about you. 
It's not your birthday party. It's about people hearing about Jesus. Amen? Oh, what's my family to get me? If I don't get that nice this and that, forgive us, Lord. God has given you the keys of the kingdom. Well, this world's out of control, Pastor. You said there's nothing we can do. We can still save some. We can still bring the kingdom of heaven. We can still bring light. We can still stop a few gun crazy people. My wife brought this to my attention, and I know there's a lot going on. I just This is just an added thing. And I know people are saying, this is another need for gun control. Well, I, I saw in China during the same day, this guy went into a elementary school and slashed 22 kids with a knife. It's not the weapon, it's the people. Could gun control help? Possibly. Now, I'm not, and please don't, please don't get mad, don't judge me, and don't, don't paint me in one part or the other, because I'm a Christian first and foremost. And, and I'm not a big fan of Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, because they just foment a lot of fear. There's truth sometimes in those, but they just foment a lot of fear. But my wife was, had turned on Fox News, and on occasion I'll watch that too, and she said, Mike Huckabee said, we have a gun control law. It's called, Thou Shall Not Kill. And we've been disobeying it for a long time. And whether you like Fox News, whether you like Huckabee, he just stated the truth. And you see, the church needs to get back to stating the truth. You have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, you're an anarchist, I hope you're not an anarchist. You're a libertarian, you don't vote for anybody. You have the keys of the kingdom of heaven and earth. You have the gospel that can change the world. Jesus is this world's only hope. Amen? O come, O come, Emmanuel. Christmas is about Him coming to bring peace and salvation. Would you stand with me this morning? O come, O come, Jesus. Be with us. Rescue us from evil and bring us your gift of life. Haley's going to sing a song, but I want you in a moment, I, I want you to take again your hymnal out. Turn to hymn 422. We're going to sing this just for a second. She might play some music in a moment. But I want you to sing with me verses 3 and 4. She's finding something here. Hymn 422, and I'll try to get the right key. Verse 3, it says, let me get the right key. O come thou day spring, come and cheer. Our spirits bind thine advent here. And drive away the shades of night. And pierce the clouds and bring us light. Sing it out in your spirit. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Verse 4. O come thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Going fast, I'm sorry. Make safe the way that leads on high and close a path to misery. Sing it out now. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O 
Right. I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the church would arise. We have the answer, and His name is Jesus. Yes, this world is spinning out of control. Yes, it's, it's decaying. Yes, people are living in sin, and sinners do what sinners do. But Lord, we can still open the eyes of some. We can still bring the good news. There could be a spiritual renewal. There could be revival again. It's when the church takes your gospel and spreads it. When we are not ashamed of the gospel. When we let, let the light of Jesus shine. When we go into the darkness with the good news that pierces the darkness. And when we use the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And we bind the work of the enemy. And we lose salvation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for anyone in this room that has not made their heart right with Jesus Christ. They know they need to give their life to Jesus, but they haven't done it. Holy Spirit, draw them in right now. Oh, come. Oh, come. Emmanuel. Friends, I know you're praying, so with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, just for a moment. Maybe this is you. Maybe, I've, maybe you need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're living in fear of Satan and death. Maybe you're living in rebelling, and you know it, but God wants you to live in freedom. And you need to give your life to Jesus, and you've never done it before. I'm asking you with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, to say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want Him to be the Savior of my soul. I want to turn from my life, and I want to give it over to Him. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to accept Him as my Savior. Would you, everyone, just pray after me, Dear Lord Jesus, I accept that you are the Messiah. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Fill me with your love and with your power. In Jesus' name. Now friends, here's the last thing. And I know it's going to be hard for you, but I, I want as many of you that want to come to the front I want you to come forward and say, you know what, Pastor Tim, I'm tired of darkness ruling our world. And I want to be light. If that's you, you say, I want to use God's power and I want to see this world change. I want you to come to the front. Say, I'm tired of the devil having his way in my family, my home, my business, my community, this nation, the nations of the world. I want you to come to the front and say, I'm going to work in the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to let the light of Christ. Come on down to the front. Say, I'm tired of the devil having his way. Come to the front and say, I want to be light. Come on. Come on, well, that should be all of us, really, saying, I want to receive this Christmas message and I want to shine it out. Just come as the Lord leads you. I don't want to force you down, but I want you to come as the Lord leads you. I want you to be God's vessel of change. I want you to be God's light to a dying and hurting world because our world is in desperate need. Saying, Pastor Stan, I'm tired of darkness ruling. I'm tired of people looking to the wrong places and I want to be that vessel I want to be that light I want to be that messenger of goodness to my friends my co-workers my neighbor my family my country that's on another continent or, or, or the people of the world I want the light of Jesus to shine in me and other Christians and through the church not only just this Christmas season but forever come on down I want to read this scripture to you as you're coming down here's what God asks us in Mark chapter 16 it says verse 15 go Jesus said this Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. When they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. You see, God has empowered us. This message still is applicable to our world today. There are other people that have been demonized or demon-possessed and they are about to do violence and you can go speak over them and say, stop in the name of Jesus. 
You can drive by your child's school, your grandkids' school, and you could speak power and protection over that school from now on. Amen? You can go to your workplace instead of cursing, and you can say, God, bring light to this place. In Jesus' name, amen? Father, for us that are here, we want to be light. We don't want just you shining out of our lives. We want to go, as it says here in Mark 16, we want to go into all the world. For all my friends that came down, would you put the light of Jesus in us? Would you put hope in us? Many of us in this room, we have questions. We're hurting. We're distraught by what we saw this week or we're seeing every week. Lord, firm us up in Jesus' name and let us know that we live in a sinful world and we have the answer now. And we are part of that answer. And then send us out in the Holy Spirit, God, that we will lay hands on people. They will be healed. We will speak in tongues and and people will hear the Word of God and and they'll have a message from them. We'll flow in the gifts. We'll just do the work of God. And Lord, when the enemy tries to harm us, it says you'll protect us, God. And so, Lord, deliver those that you spoke to me. And I don't know who they are, but you kept telling me there are some people in this church that are living in fear. I rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that spirit of fear over your life, over your mind, over your household. In fact, I rebuke all the work of the enemy from all of our lives in Jesus' name. Over this church, I rebuke you, Satan, over finances, over relationships, over minds, over spirits, over bodies, over anything that's here, businesses, people's careers, schooling, jobs, and all that. But more importantly, God, now, I I, I ask that you'd release us to be light to our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, even people that hate us, that we would speak the truth of God. We would not be ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to those who believe we should not be ashamed of the gospel. And then, Lord, let the church begin. We say we believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but let us begin to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Let us begin to go works, do works of miracles, God. Have the discernment. Speak the word of knowledge, the word of prophecy, God, the word of wisdom. Let us lay hands on people and see people healed and delivered. People raised even from the dead, even in this nation. That would bring you glory, God. And so, Lord, fill us up with this Christmas message again. Some are depressed. They're worried about this and that, Lord. Help us not to be worried about this and that, but help us to be concerned about the kingdom of God. Because you have given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And we have power and authority over darkness. And let us start speaking forth the word of God. Because you spoke and the world was created. And when the word of God is spoken, it changes lives. So let us not be afraid of naming the name of Jesus ever. And speaking the word of God and reading the Bible and reading it out loud because we need to hear the word of God. So Lord, touch everyone in this room with your gospel. And send us out to change the world. And those that are here that maybe don't know you, let them give their lives to you. But I speak forth now, not just a happy holidays, nice Christmas message, but a message that's going to change the world, God. Through us, your children. We love you. We need you to answer the questions, but we need to be sent out now with the answers to those that we're going to see tomorrow at work. This week we'll see them in the gym or at the, at the store. We'll, we'll be able to share with them at the coffee shops about Jesus. And the reason we have hope. The reason we have joy. And yes, we're saddened by this horrific event that happened in Connecticut. And we rebuke the spirit of violence upon our land. We pray that our church would rise up. We pray that every church would get back to preaching the gospel, not to be ashamed of it. And that, Lord, that the government would be upon your shoulders again.